these things can't be controlled. People think they can control them, and and uh, but you can't. And it quite quickly got out of control. And so it, it's long since left any science behind, even the mainstream science. The mainstream science does not say in any way, shape, or form that there is going to be a global catastrophe. It just doesn't. You know, IPCC, AR5, AR6, they just do not say that. So, but the culture has long since outgrown all science. It has no dependency on science. No, it's just embedded in publics, embedded in authorities. It's captured the elites. And, it, and it, so the scientific arguments are in a way fruitless or powerless to do anything about that. Um, it's long since left the science behind. And indeed, scientists who quote the, the IPCC, um, you know, a long time ago, it used to be um, uh, people quoted the IPCC in favour of sort of what you might call um, a more alarmist view. But now it's got to the point where anybody quoting the IPCC is saying, well, it's not going to be a catastrophe. It's called a denier. Hello, everyone. Anders here with Mind the Shift. As you know, we talk about uh, the topic of climate sometimes, often on, on this channel. Uh, and um, there are quite a few political as well as economic and scientific, of course, aspects to that topic. But it turns out there's also a deeply cultural aspect, or is it perhaps even religious? I'd like to introduce you to my guest today, who is Andy West. Welcome to the show, Andy. Fantastic, Anders. It's uh, a privilege to be on. You have written this uh, book, an ambitious and detailed book called The, the Grip of Culture, and I've just read it. Uh, yeah. And it has the properties of a, of a, a proper scientific paper, really, um, although it's, it is a, a, a proper book, of course. Yes. Um, and it drills down into the depths of uh climate what what you call and and i think many others also call climate catastrophism and what it's really based on yes so let's just s jump right into that and start there what what is climate catastrophism and what makes climate catastrophism a, a culture rather than a scientifically rooted opinion or or knowledge okay well um what i what i mean by climate catastrophism is is indeed a culture a better way of thinking about it is maybe is a cultural entity so it, it, if you like it's self-bounded it, it has its own characteristics and um cultural entities um include we have various words for them so you might say religions um or they're, they're, they're typically the spiritual version of cultures you might say ideologies people tend to use that for political ones sometimes cults um uh, or even strong philosophies but but the, they all share the same underlying behaviors. So even though they're very, very different, you know, religious narratives are very different to, say, communist narratives, which are very different to fascist narratives, uh, which are very different to climate catastrophe narratives. But the underlying behaviors are identical. And, and what I'm getting at is that um, you can actually uh, measure these behaviors, because if, if there's enough social data, then you can measure that it is actually a cultural entity which we can for climate catastrophism because it's, its whole history is on the internet. There's loads and loads of social data. So we can measure its signature and prove that it is one of these things. And um, where it comes from, it, effectively, it's a, it's a deep behavioral legacy from our evolutionary past. And, and the only purpose of these things is to glue large groups of, of people together because large groups 
were, were the best way of surviving. But it comes from right back before even rationality had developed. So it developed in parallel with rationality. And if you want to, if you want to glue millions and millions of people together, um, it's actually not good to use rationality, especially when there was very little of it around. It's actually better to bypass it and use emotion. So effectively, the team, uh, you know, the flag or the, the narrative, the religion, that is what glues people together in these very large groups. And for a very long time, that was an advantage. Yeah, you say that that a culture is always based on fairy tales, which may sound a bit uh, yes. surprising. And and you say that if it is, if it were to be based on truths, it wouldn't be a culture. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. It's it sounds very unintuitive, but if you think about it, uh, you know, if you think about its purpose is only to glue people together. The the problem is as, as rationality started to develop, especially if you if you want to glue a hundred people together in a common action, especially in in the face of knowing nothing about the world. And, and you know, originally we had no science. We, we didn't really know anything about the world. Then if you try to glue them together with something vaguely rational, the problem is that everybody will have a different opinion on that rationality or a different angle. Effectively, it could be argued. People would take time to think about it rationally. It needs to be discussed. Blah, blah. They won't just go and fight the enemy and <laughs> cling to the flag and, and you know, repel all borders, whether narratively or physically. And so the way to glue people together in a way that is unthinking, a way that they will stand up and fight for the group and demonize anybody who's not in the group, is effectively to use untruth. And the further away from reality, the better, because they can't be challenged. The only way to challenge them is to say, well, that's just bonkers. But in fact, that's a very easy argument for the, uh, for the, for the, for the culture to bring down, especially if authority is on its side, because the authorities just say, well, that's bonkers. And, and you know, end of, end of argument. So, in fact, the further distance from truth they are, the better they work. Fascinating stuff. Yeah. But I guess it makes sense when you think about it. So how did this particular culture start and when did it start, as you see it? Yes. When is a good question. Um, these things are emergent. So they're Grad gradual start, I guess. It, yes, it's, it's, a, it's a gradual thing. You know, the beginning of it is that um, particularly particular emotive narratives um, get transmitted more between humans depending on, on how much emotion they evoke. So you can effectively retransmit something. It's a bit like clicking on the Internet. <laughs> if it's it, you click on it more, if it's an emotive kind of meme or something like that. And, you know, before the Internet was invented, then effectively humans do the same thing in their in their gossip, in their conversation. So whilst it was originally a, a scientific idea. Um, that that you know there could be global warming and if, indeed um, that humans were altering the climate in bad ways because before the global warming there was global cooling yeah and um, you know and and so these these memes because they have no relationship to truth only to emotion and it, it's it's quite logical that for instance precursors to the global warming meme like global cooling which would seem to be the opposite is in fact identical from a mimetic point of view it's just like Humans are bad. Humans are altering the climate, and, and indeed, some some people and some scientists, particularly Stephen Stephen Schneider being one, moved quite smoothly from from pushing the global cooling to pushing the global warming. And and culturally, culturally, it's the same thing. It doesn't matter. It's it's just a motive meme that we're we're altering things in a bad way, and and that's what gains traction. And and I and I think. It quite quickly these these things can't be controlled people think they can control them and and uh, but you can't 
and it quite quickly got out of control. And so it, it's long since left any science behind, even the mainstream science. The mainstream science does not say in any way, shape or form that there is going to be a global catastrophe. It just doesn't. You know, IPCC, AR5, AR6, they just do not say that. So, but the culture has long since outgrown all science. It has no dependency on science. No, it's just embedded in publics, embedded in authorities. It's captured the elites. And, it, and it, so the scientific arguments are in a way fruitless or powerless to do anything about that. Um, it's long since left the science behind. And indeed, scientists who quote the, the IPCC, um, you know, a long time ago, it used to be um, uh, people quoted the IPCC in favour of sort of what you might call um, a more alarmist view. But now it's got to the point where anybody quoting the IPCC is saying, well, it's not going to be catastrophe. It's called a denier. Which, I know. Which, which happens to Judith Curry, happens to John john piker jr um you know so yeah yeah, yeah. it's totally turned around yeah do you think this has been orchestrated in any way or is it is it organic or uh, and when did it start we we didn't mention any years here but maybe the, i mean there was this uh, film by al gore uh an inconvenient yes. truth 2006 yeah. was that a pivotal point in this i think that was a pivotal point um <laughs> i think i think it was already running by then but i think that was a pivotal point where it really um, uh, splurged onto the public first. And that's when attitudes around that time, attitudes really began to spread much more throughout the public. And indeed, that's where I came to it. Um, I mean, it's rather embarrassing from my point of view because I came to myself you know, quite knowledgeable about cultures. And, you know, I was I was, I was looking around for a way to, to, to how you could measure them, how you could get more uh, of a, a sort of quantitative grip on them rather than just, um, if you like, a qualitative grip. And, and and I had no idea at the time that there was one developing uh, as climate catastrophism, and I was absolutely, you know, right into my nose. So, and it, and it was only when I watched Al Gore's film I realised this is completely full of, of classic cultural memes. And 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 you know, I didn't know how much science there was as well. I have a degree in physics, so I, I you know knew all the terms they were talking about, but I didn't know how much science really was in there as well but i i thought well at minimum even if there is some science this is a completely cultural film mm -hmm. and so i that's when i first started to research for what's behind it and then i quite quickly realized that it, it, it's left the science behind even then mm -hmm. and i and i think its roots you know its roots clearly go back into the into the 80s and even the 70s with 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 global cooling and I think um, uh, it started to maybe take a march on, on elites and governments after James Hansen's presentation in 1988, I think it was, um, where they turned the heating up in the meeting room to make people think that, that global heating was on the way. Mm -hmm. And uh, but, but when it comes down to orchestration, it's a, it's a difficult thing. Um, you know, quite, quite a lot of climate skeptics, especially in America, have not been terribly comfortable with the fact that if if you accept culture as the main causation then it's actually it's not the prime cause is not deliberate it, it's emergent and it's at all levels it's uh, of society so not just elites it's got it's got groundswell it comes from everywhere and although people are using their intelligence to promote it um, um cultural motives are upstream of intelligence so um the, the people who you know and some people think well it's insulting my intelligence to say that i believe in this culture but but cultures not only does um, does it make no difference whether you're intelligent, it, there's been some work by Dan Carhan, the social psychologist, who says it's possible that the more intelligent you are, the more culturally um, uh, susceptible you are to. <laughs> correct. Um, and, and not only that, such people, because, because cultural belief is upstream of intelligence, 
his some of his measurements show that, that, that the people who push it best are the people who who know who have more intelligence and more knowledge can are more capable of pushing it. <laughs> and those who are less cognitively capable and have less knowledge of the domain can't push it as well. But upstream of both those people, it's, it's, if you're culturally motivated, you can actually push it better. So I think it's very difficult to say. Well, is it is it is it um, you know motivated in, a, in a, like a conspiracy, like a coordinated thing, or not? All I will say is that the cultures are easily far and away the best coordination mechanisms among humans. They can coordinate millions or even billions of people to actually you know, literally sing off the same hymn sheet, which is where exactly where that phrase came from. It's, it means the same culture. It means, you know, we have the same cultural values. And um, But it's also true that um, a lot of motivations for control of money can, can effectively surf on a, on a, on a culture. And they can become almost invulnerable by by being in its mode. So you know, think of fascist Germany, you know, on anti-Semitism and and science was supporting that as well through eugenics, which all turned out to be rubbish. And um, so it's very easy if if you're riding, if you're if you're, I'll call it surfing because you can't actually ride them in the sense you can't control them. It, it's controlling them, not the other way around. But it's also true that those kinds of agendas for money and power. Can, can be almost invulnerable if they're on a culture. But without the culture, they'd be very fragile. They would they would not be able to do the, the conquering the world that they do. So yes, there are agendas, but but they're not the prime cause. The, the prime cause is the culture and the agendas are effectively taking advantage of the culture. Oh yeah, so, okay, I understand. Yeah, so even the leaders have been surprised at this the emergence of this culture. And then, as you say, they might have, after a while, taken advantage of it and and yes. seen that oh, this is something we can utilize. Exactly, and and some of them are actual believers. Some of them aren't. Um, some of them are more, shall we say, consciously writing. But but quite a lot of them uh, are are themselves believers. But it's it's a lot easier to believe in something if it also suits your nefarious agenda, <laughs> right? So so there's a grey area there. <laughs> Okay, so you you mentioned that you were a bit embarrassed yourself that you hadn't seen this uh, emerging at some point there. But so tell us a bit to back back up a little bit. To tell us about uh, what your your background and and how you ended up in this field and decided to dissect the phenomenon of, of climate catastrophes because you're you're not a social scientist or a, or a sociologist no. uh, from the beginning. No, you're, no. you're some something different. Yes, I, I I had a degree in physics and, and had a career in the um, in the embedded electronics industry. So, um, but I but I had a, I have had a lifelong interest in uh, what started out as as kind of evolutionary studies, you might call it, you know. And I guess you know, right from teenagers, where did we come from? Who are we? And it started with with the physics of where the universe came from. But then it was like much more interesting, I thought, to be. Where did humans come from? Where did life come from? So I was deeply into evolutionary studies, and first of all, biological evolution. But then more and more, I, I got sucked over to the cultural evolution side. You know, realizing that you know e evolution for humans is now a matter of, of what our brains do rather than what's happening with our bodies. And um, and so, well, what do our brains do? You know, <laughs> and at first I. I kind of attacked it from the point of view, well, people are rational and therefore, you know, we, we need to rationally think what is the best thing to evolve to next, say, for instance. But it doesn't it doesn't work like that. And um and it turns out that a great deal of people aren't rational, you know. I mean by a great deal, I mean a great deal of all of us. 
So yeah. a, a lot yes, of our any, brains are. Is anybody are. totally rational? Is it, is it even possible to be that? And is it even exactly. something exactly. you should strive for? I don't know. Uh, yes, it might not be very nice because, um, you know, effectively you'd be Vulcans, but but, but <laughs> there would be no um, there'd be no team spirit. You know, the, 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 the kind of and the kind of leadership that you get these charismatic leaders leading companies like Apple or whatever, or or Elon Musk and and uh, SpaceX, uh, which my company used to do, deliver computers to. In fact, um, you know that would go as well in a sense because because the reason that they people follow them is partly cultural, and, and without those things, so there would be no nationalism, you know, and uh, there would be you know and religion, despite they've done a lot of harms, you know, a lot of good work is done in. Into in religious terms as well. I mean, there the probably wouldn't be civilization without religion because the, the first civilizations, you know, to build the like the cities in Earth, to build the water structures there, it was a religious. It was counted as a religious duty, and and without that duty, there would probably no, be no civilization. So it's it's very hard to see how you can do without it. But at the same time, you know, <laughs> it's, it's it can have a real problem. So I was stood, I was getting more and more to thinking about that and. Um, and eventually, it wasn't even the evolution of these things. It was more a, a point. Well, how do they work now? You know, never mind how we got here. You know, what? How do they just work? How do they influence people? You know, and and that is how I I, I came. And and just at the time Al Gore's film came out, I was I was um, you know thinking to myself, well, okay, I, I'm finding out a lot just by um, you know reading and digging and uh, but I but I I lacked a quantitative angle. I couldn't measure anything, and I thought, well, I. You know, I'm not. I don't have a university department or whatever. I probably never could measure anything. Um, but um, you know, uh, first of all, I saw Al Gore's films and I thought, well, at least there's ne there's a there's a culture here that's on the internet. It's almost completely grown the internet. So that that was a big a, a big stage for me, as as well as being a big stage for the world, because uh, that's when it really started to take off. Okay. Uh, so you have found that um and you talk about religion here and how it's uh, civilization started with people gathering around religions and i i, I agree uh, i have i mean personally i have ideas about whether religion is spiritual or not but yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter it's not that kind of conversation now perhaps but religions are cultural like i totally acknowledge that of course uh, and and you found these correlations between um and alliances between religiosity and climate catastrophism, uh, which are very fascinating. And I think that's a bit groundbreaking as far as I can understand the, the findings that you have uh, done there. And so how do they look, these alliances, these correlations between religiosity in different countries and, and this climate catastrophism culture? Well, first of all, yes, it is, it is groundbreaking because um, there, there is a, a very large and long, long founded academic discipline which is geared up to finding uh pr social predictors for attitudes to climate change um and um <laughs> um and they've they, their original thought was to find one you know whether it's politics polit politics is it, it does that predict it or your age or your sex or whatever or you know your educational attainment or also national level you know nations that are more threatened by climate change maybe or whatever and they fail to find a good predictor. I mean, they're, you know, they're predicted in the sort of five to ten percent region, if you like. And um, uh, the the that area of academia um, 
got more and more complex over over the years. It's like 15, 20 years old, and, and they got more and more complex statistics and more and more complex models. And they've completely missed the fact there's a very simple single predictor that works for all the world except America, because America is a bit more complicated. Same same principles apply there, but it's a, but it's a more complex. But everywhere else, you only need one predictor to get stunning predictions of of attitudes to climate change, and that's because religion and climate catastrophism have a relationship. And that so if you use national religiosity, it has to be at the national level. You can't do it at the individual level. You've got to do it in the national in national buckets. Because uh, you know, religion is a group phenomenon anyway, and and that, that's that's the way to do it. And the, and the relationships are stunning. You, you know, there's quite a lot of attitudes to climate change. You can get an eighty percent predictor or seventy percent. But these are this is amazing for social psychology. But anyway, um, but the but the but the relationship isn't. It's not intuitive. It's a it's a dual relationship. So saying things like, well, you know, do you believe? The nations that are much more religious believe more in climate change or less. Um, then it's not as, it's not as simple as that. What what actually occurs is that there are two two scenarios which are um, unconstrained scenarios and, and reality constrained scenarios. So if you ask a, a an unconstrained, so it's a, a, an open ended. Uh, ex explain unconstrained in this context. Yes, uh, probably best to explain reality constraint first. And then, uh, reality constraint is where you ask a question, but but there's a constraint on it. Like for instance, what which one out of these ten priorities would you uh, think is most important? So the constraint is the other nine, effectively, because you've got you've got to think about how you're going to say if one of the priorities is climate change, how would you rank climate change? It means you have to think about all the other things. It's, that's a reality constraint, or how much you're going to pay for this policy something like that hmm. an unconstrained one is where you don't you don't have any of that limitation it might just be how how serious do you think climate change is so you don't have to refer to anything else you don't have to refer to any other you know priorities like education or or, or terrorism or anything like that you don't have to refer to amounts of money you, you're really just appealing um to people's it, it, what effectively amounts to for a cultural subject <clears throat> you're appealing to their emotion so people who think climate change is, is really, really bad, they'll, you know, it's always terrible, you know, and through it's serious. And that turns out to be an emotive, emotive reaction that reveals a cultural thing, a, a cultural motivation, shall we say. So um, so what, what the relationship is that for unconstrained scenarios, then the more religious the nation, the more there will be attitudes that are supportive of climate change. So, and it's a really steep graph, you know. So, for for secular for secular countries like, say, Sweden or Denmark, uh, which are you know around the lowest, only about one in five people are, are religious in those kind of nations. Then, um, if you say, well, you know, the, the number of people who might say, if your options to how serious is climate change are something like, you know, serious, extremely serious, you know, not very serious. Then um, only about ten percent of the population in those nations will say it's extremely serious. Uh -huh. But if you go right to the other end of the scale and have very religious nations like uh, you know Thailand, Pakistan, uh, India, which are you know effectively one hundred percent religious or you know near as damn it, then and you ask the same question, then the number of people who who will put extremely serious is is kind of over sixty percent. So there's a huge difference between ten percent and sixty percent answer. So a, a very steep. Uh, graph across nations 
But if you if you ask a reality constrained question, then it's more or less the opposite. Mm-hmm. Then the people in the very religious countries will will their their support for climate change collapses effectively, and they only, they give it a very low priority. They don't think they should. Then be. it gets down to uh, hands on concrete questions about yes, like would you give it any money or would you prioritize it against you know uh, education or uh, whatever other things? And it the reason it collapses is that. Um, that they're fundamentally they fall back to religion when um, you know so they they it's their religious values that really tell them how they would prioritize things in the world and so it collapses so that sixty odd percent for an unconstrained question collapses to down you know maybe ten fifteen percent for a reality constrained question but in the in the secular nations it's the opposite effectively you know so the so the very small percentages of people who would answer it's extremely serious. But they will actually um, uh, support it more in terms of priorities because they're they're treating it not l- less emotively, um, and so they treat it as a sort of effectively a scientific reality because uh, and they and the default for science is to support it. So they'll give it space. I mean, not still not huge space, you know. You, as you know, there's a lot of resistance to uh, you know gas boiler gas uh, sorry uh, heat pumps and things instead of gas boilers in even in the West. But their support is far, far higher than in, in religious nations because it's treated as a as a sort of scientific subject and less emotively. So the weird thing is, you get these, <laughs> you get a complete crisscross of of across the religious access as to uh, as depending on whether you're in a reality constrained or an unconstrained. And this is exactly what you would expect from the cultures interacting. What, what's happening is. All the religious, all the religious leaders have signed, um, you know, official statements saying, you know, we support climate change, blah 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 blah, and so all their flocks are comfortable with with catastrophe narrative. It's very similar to religion, you know. There's a doomsday, there's a judgment day, but there's also salvation, you know. And and for climate catastrophism, a crash net zero program is its salvation narrative. So the religious people are very comfortable at that level, uh, and that's why they poll really high values. Um, for unconstrained, uh, you know, stuff. Yeah, we think it's really serious. You know, the Pope thinks it's serious, so we think it's serious. You know, the uh, the high Anglican guys think it's serious, so their flock thinks it's serious. Same for it's identical across any faith. So it's Judaism, Hinduism doesn't make any difference. They're all identical in their reactions to climate catastrophe. But then, when it comes to what to do about it, yeah, it, then it's a different story. Collapse, collapse. Yes, and and in secular nations it's the opposite way around. So, mm-hmm. but and 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 it's because also in the secular in the secular nations they don't have a religion to defend. They're they're, they're largely irreligious. So there's not this huge you know difference between the, the difference is the other way around, but it's smaller. Um, yeah, one uh, might perhaps think that those kinds of that are irreligious or not not, not I mean they're that are secular that they kind of uh exchange uh, re- replace that non-religious <laughs> reality yes. with, with 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 this new culture i mean yes going back to the book the 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 area in the world the region in the world which is most secularized i think western europe yeah. is probably the the region where this climate catastrophism is most uh, is is the biggest and and the most uh, pronounced so that yes. might not be a coincidence what, what do you think about that no it's not it's not a coincidence um, and, and if you, for instance, as, as you've seen in the book, if you plot uh, climate activism, like the you know the number of groups for Extinction Rebellion or climate, climate rights for children, 
they, they are, again, a very steep graph or very, very high in secular nations and very low in religious nations. And it, this tells us that the, the, the people who actually believe it are much, much stronger in the secular nations. But the other thing it tells us, which, which is less intuitive and less well understood, is, is that, in fact, um, the reason that, that, that these groups are so, so uh, aggressively active, if you might, you know, like taking you know, action like Extinction Rebellion does, stopping roads, you know, gluing themselves to things or whatever, is because in, in the secular nations, um, whilst the belief in climate catastrophism is more there, it's actually still a huge minority of the population who really ardently believe it. And they and because because the the Western nations don't have this uh in big emotive belief that gets these 60% that you do in the in the religious ones, then these the activists, there's actually more of them, but they perceive that society isn't listening to them because there isn't these huge figures of people saying it's really serious, extreme that the, the people who think it's extremely serious are very small. Mm. So, so you've got far less people saying it's extremely serious and more activists um, uh, who actually believe it. And those activists want to want to move this big society. They perceive they're vastly outnumbered and they want the act to try and move society in their direction. But in religious nations, it's kind of the opposite. For a start, it's not perceived that there's a need to move society because all the religious people say, yeah, it's extremely serious. Like so, activists there don't think they have anything to fight. But when it actually comes down to reality, anyway, there's there's less activists there, and nobody wants to fight it because they back down to religious values. Yeah. So it's it's very unintuitive this. But but the reason that they that you know it, the the groups are so active in Western nations is not because they're a, a huge grassroots majority. It's because that although there are more believers there, they're still a tiny minority. And what they're trying to do is persuade. The whole Western populations who really um, aren't, in, they're, they're less, as, 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 as a sort of bulk of the population, they're much less emotively engaged. And so the fact that there's very low numbers who say it's extremely serious is what really riles the activists up. And that's what they want to fight against. But in religious nations, you know, two thirds of the nation thinks it is extremely serious. So there's no need to rile against it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very unintuitive, but the, but the graphs are really, really clear. But it's, it's fascinating. So your book comes with something, a, a new insight here that, I mean, you're not the only one saying that climate catastrophism is, is a new sect or a new religion or so, but but you're saying that it's actually not a proper religion. It's not spiritual or anything. It's just, it's, it's a culture. And you haven't seen that because you haven't seen these these connections between religiosity and, and, and climate. Yes, yes. You, you, need, you, need to look, you need to look at these connections between religiosity and climate catastrophism uh which there are loads and loads and loads because the world is surveyed you know countries are surveyed all the time about their attitudes to climate change there's tons of data and it's really it's all publicly available all you have to do is type a bunch of numbers for religiosity and a bunch of numbers for climate attitudes into into uh, excel push the button and out come these amazing correlations yeah so so yes um but it but you're right it's not a it's not a spiritual religion that you know I, I, you know, the, the best way to look at it is is that, you know, religions, cults, ideologies, they're all driven by these evolutionary behaviors underneath. And, and it's arbitrary what the narratives are. People tend to think, well, if it's, if it's you know, if, if it's even a secular religion, shouldn't it have a supreme being or, you know, prayers or whatever? No, no, the, the, the narratives are arbitrary. You know, communism didn't necessarily have a, a supreme being when it started. You could argue that Stalin or whoever became one as a, as a personality cult, but it doesn't. It doesn't literally have a god. Neither, neither does fascism, and neither does climate catastrophism. 
but they do have you know people dress up in silly robes like religion quite often you know like extinction rebellion they do yeah. have prophets like prophets Gore, like greta thunberg yeah, and greta thunberg uh, and and in fact all cultures do target children because children are are geared to adopt uh, except they swallow a cultural template whole it's meant to be their native ones meant to be but but effectively if you steal them at school level if, if you infiltrate schools then you can effectively grab them and put them on your side so that's why um not just climate catastrophism is all over the schools but other secular cultures now like extreme trans rights which is just another cultural entity i think Un unfortunately not enough data to prove it in that case i think but it, but it looks like one maybe and, the and so from you sorry maybe next book ah maybe next book yeah and and also the 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 the, the one based on uh, the so-called anti-racism one based on uh critical rights uh theory that 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 is one too and and, and these things uh you know <laughs> they attack the schools because you can capture the children and it works very easily yeah it's fascinating um when you spoke about this uh, the situation in the west in, in western europe where the, the, i mean the the activists are actually a tiny minority as you say but they are yes fighting very fiercely much more so than yes. in these religious yes. country, countries because yes. they 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 realize that they're they are a minority and they they want to they have this um, righteous fight for for a better society right. and yes. that reminds me of you know francis fukuyama you're familiar with francis fukuyama of course uh, this social scientist uh, uh political scientist rather who wrote this book in the early 90s called uh, the end of history and the last man <laughs> and, yes. and it, I, I haven't read the book things, but, <laughs> but yes yeah. I'm aware and it's been it. criticized not not least by himself actually i think a, a bit unfairly so but anyway I, i understand that not everything he wrote in 1991 could be yeah, yeah. still be true but but anyway in, in the last part of that book the last man it's called the last man i think it's the last two or three chapters or something long time since i read it but that is about and and, and it's under uh, analyzed i think that part of it because that is about uh when there are no more fights for the the big societal change you know the communism socialism liberalism all these isms when that's not no longer happening and societies are fairly i mean uh, people aren't dirt poor anymore so they i mean they, they lead good lives so what's the point what's the meaning of living our lives now we need some some meaning and and he said that there is a risk or a possibility that that many people in these countries who end up in this situation will try to find something worthy to fight for or perceived injustice or oppressor to fight against Yes, to find meaning in life. What, what do you think of that that explanation? I, I you know, I've got, uh, yeah, I've got a lot of time for that um, approach. I, I think, you know, you, you you can, you know, some people these days call it. I don't think he used that term, but they nowadays you call it a luxury belief to some extent. Yeah, you know, because there's only societies that are rich enough and well off enough to have these these kind of beliefs. Um, but um, but I will also say, you know, it, it's not. It's it's less logical than that in in the sense that um, you know these 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 belief system these behaviors that lead to these belief systems are are very very much ingrained in us and it's 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 kind of less a case that you've you know you've run out of beliefs so you have to invent one it's the case that we're always going to do this automatically whether we're in a rich or a poor nation because it's too deeply ingrained in us you know we're we're slowly 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 evolving away from it but you know but we probably we we probably had these beliefs first laid down you know long before we were even homo sapiens sapien you know certainly evidence of religious uh behavior in neanderthals and, and earlier 
you know, it, you know, and in terms of body language and and, and other social uh, glue, it, it may go back to apes. So these things, you know, we we you know, and there's, there's probably been thousands and thousands of religions. You know, it's just that they're all forgotten, and then and the few that made it to the modern era are still around. So I I think it, it's it, it, I think I think humanity is going to do this, however much money or comfort they have, or or don't have. You know, it might that may that might affect the nature of the culture, but they're still going to do it. And and so um, you know, as as religion declined, I think certainly. Um, that's given an opportunity for for other secular cultures to 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 sprout up, if you like. And um, but it but it doesn't mean that they will always win or that they're always bad. I th- I think, um, but I think you have to look at it from a, a group perspective. You can't just say as individuals what you think about that. Are you, you going to support this culture or not? Cultures are group group phenomena, and um, and. They are being fought at a group level by what I call rationality at scale. So things like democracy, science, the law, this, these are a way to try and get rationality to operate at the same scale as cultures do. You know, and it's far more complicated. Cultures just do it like that. It's instinctive. We just do it. But, but these systems require massive sets of rules to uh, coordinate, um, to try and keep culture and bias out, in fact. Where you know and, um, and and maintain a logical approach across society, and all the time cultures are undermining them, attacking them, whilst at the same time rationality at scale is limiting and bounding cultures. So it's like a, a forever war. But I think slowly, 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 you know, you you can you can tro- sort of maybe save the best bits of culture, the bits you need, like team spirit and, and some nationalism, maybe whatever. You need an urge to go to the stars. That might have to be cultural. But at the same time, hopefully, rationality at scale will grow enough to stop these things really taking off in negative directions, which which is happening with climate catastrophism. Because you know it's got some disastrous policies, which, and, and they're not even going to help with you know you know the, the real climate problem somewhere far away distance from all this culture. But but the, what's happening with the solutions and everybody thinking about it has nothing to do with that. It's all to do with cultural goals and with salvation. And and the and the solutions are going to be a much bigger problem than, than the problem. You're and nobody's going to know. changes of energy systems and things like that. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, um, but I think it'll be many, many generations before we've we've bounded cultures more. Where we currently are, um, you could I, I can't remember who quoted this. It was somebody Roman, but even even by our own measurements, we're only half men. We mm. we 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 we're not we're not the sentient individual in control people you kind of like to think we're very subject to group group think and that group think frequently gets out of control and and the thing is you know to go back a little bit to uh, is it orchestrated by nefarious agendas or not you know the, the thing is the lessons you know even from the second world war and nazism that it, it can happen to anybody and a whole population will turn um uh, and it happens at all levels of society. The fact that certain elites take it to their advantage or, or push agendas they may already have, they wouldn't be able to do that without the culture as a vehicle to do it. In. Uh, interesting. Yeah, I was going to ask about that, and you, you you touched on it here now. This orchestration thing, because here's another hypothesis. Let's hear what you what you think about that. I mean, a, a crisis that can keep it the citizens of a, of a country in fear is ideal for the powers that be because i mean it's easier to control people that are scared than people who are 
happy and uh, content and all that and, and and feel that they are in their own power and the climate crisis is is even more perfect than other crises i think because it has so long lead times and as soon as no other crisis is at hand like you know migration the migration crisis a pandemic a financial crisis then you could always there is always the good old looming climate catastrophe to you know to put out there to put forward and and keep yes. people at bay with so what do you think of that hypothesis i i think useful useful crisis for 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 leaders yeah i think you know i i think it's it, it, it's not it's not exactly wrong but but i think it's not exactly right you know it, it's the, the the problem is it, it tends to encourage um the sort of view that you know especially you know if you look at the history of the club of rome and you follow the wef up through the uh it tends to encourage a sort of james bond villain type view of the of the situation yeah and, or maybe they have taken advantage of it um uh, gradually uh, after having yes. seen that this this could be useful or something like that yes i i, th I think it's, i think that's a better frame frame you know um uh, the and and the, you know the people who first started articulating these things and how they want to stop population growth for instance were already infected by memes you know malthusian memes and the early climate stuff about cooling and so on and so forth so how how much were they trying to be in control and how much were the, were the memes in control of them you know because because the the things they went to that to that those first uh early starters of, of climate catastrophism and it's now blossomed into pandemic you know, stuff and so on they the, the memes were in charge of them at least as much as they were in charge of the memes and so you know who who is the boss them or the memes and and but i think that we i think a useful line to draw is that um even even if the framework is uh, and, the, and the, the primary causation is cultural um we, we don't usually let people off the hook if they've done bad things in the name of a culture you know so even if they're like they, they, they've they kind of believe it or even they've persuaded themselves to believe it because it happens to suit their agenda it's very easy to believe something if, if you make a lot of money and power out of it but it's still it still might have triggered emotive behaviors in those people as well but a great a great line to draw is well if those people are doing bad things in the name of the culture we don't really care that that how much they were motivated by the culture and how much they were motivated by nefarious we we still we should still prosecute them to the maximum extent of, of rationality at scale science and the law for anything they've done that is wrong and we don't you know for instance war criminals you know quite a lot of war criminals um you know were clearly motivated by you know way out there cultures you know <laughs> you know nationalism fascism whatever <laughs> but the fact that they were so motivated doesn't make us let them off you know it's clear from some of them you know like the, the war trials of the second world war it's clear some of them are still 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 drinking the kool-aid <laughs> at, at that even at that point they still believed in the culture and i and i think that we we don't let those people off and so it's, we should op operate the same rule we, we we don't really care that they're culturally motivated um and but there are some law. cases now in the in the justice system in this country and i think also in england and some other yeah. places that, that there is clemency i think you're right about this in the in the book as well people who have committed crimes i mean not heinous crimes but uh yeah could be like uh, throwing paint on a on a on a valuable painting or something yes and they are they are um, 
sentenced in a very lenient way and the, there yes. is clemency because they did it for a good cause. So th this is exactly. actually happening. Exactly. It is it is exactly happening. And that that's how um you know that that's how the law is undermined, the institutions are undermined. they're all they're all pushed towards the culture. So the culture, you know, A tries not to prosecute them, B if it if it has to, because the law is still managing to hold some some ground against the culture, they're prosecuted very lightly, they're they're let off, you know. In some cases they might do things wrong and, and they don't they get let off completely. And not only that, sometimes it's even seen as a badge of honor, it, yeah. culturally speaking, that mm -hmm. they broke the law because they broke the law you know, for what is what at the time is is considered to be, um, you know, history will approve of this. Well, history very much won't approve of it. In truth, you know, and, well, and in some cases, it's I, it might be a good thing to to break the law if the law is bad. I mean, if, if yes, if yes, I mean, Nazi Germany, you know, you might be well. You, you could say you could say the suffragettes. This is this is a great yeah, case. That's a good but, case. But you know, but the problem is that we have to distinguish between. Um, uh, what are genuine causes which are not primarily culturally driven and um and ones which are and and there's some tests you can run and uh, even without measuring stuff you can just run logical tests so for instance in my book where it's talking it compares the um the children's crusade in alabama with the with the children's strikes for climate you know which one is cultural and which one is not and how do you you ask the questions to fit in you know, tick the boxes are they sponsored by a culture well for the, the alabama one was because it was actually sponsored by a religion but did but it did it take but was it promoting a religious narrative as its cause answer no and in the climate case answer yes because climate catastrophism is absolutely a, a, a you know a, a secular religious narrative yeah, tell us a little bit about uh, you, you, the United States because you've already mentioned that it's a special case uh, in yeah. this context. Why is it a special case? What's happening? It's here? special only because um, it has a, a political polarization that goes through the whole population that's really severe. Um, there are other countries which I thought might fall out of the data as well, like Australia or Canada, where it's starting to get. But but at the moment they don't they they are they stay within the rest of world category and they they obey the rules of religiosity and climate catastrophism just like any other nation. So I thought that would be a problem, but it isn't. The only the only nation that um, that doesn't uh, follow the simple rules of just testing two cultures, re religion and, and climate catastrophism, is the US. And effectively, it's because there are four. So there is the same two: religion and climate catastrophism. But there is also effectively dem lib tribalism and rep con tribalism so the problem is you've actually got four cultures and that's a bit more complicated and so i i devote a chapter as, as you know in the book to the us and and uh and the weird thing is that that religion it, <laughs> uh, the, the the belief in religion is um uh on the for the rep con tribe effectively their belief in religion um helps because they're already skeptical for political reasons, then their then their religious uh, beliefs make them even more skeptical. So effectively, they're reduced even more on their belief in climate change. But but it's the opposite for for the Dem Libs. In fact, because they're politically for climate catastrophism, their their religion actually amplifies because for for unconstrained scenarios, religion and um, climate catastrophism are uh, allied. Then, then effectively it doubles up their unconstrained. So their their unconstrained measurements double up, and they and the um, the retcon ones uh, drop even more 
because their religious belief is 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 uh, because they're already their innate skepticism is already turned on is the way of it. So it remains turned on for the religious peoples. It turns on even harder, and it's the opposite for the. So it's much more complicated. You've got to map these four cultures, which when it comes down and, to. And sadly, that it's they're even more even more detached from science than than in other parts of the world, as far as yes. I can see. Because, I mean, yes. Democrats believe in this catastrophes because Republicans don't, and yes. vice versa. And, and yes. it has nothing to do with science at all. <laughs> nothing to do with science at all. And, and you're right. This is the worst instance. It's it's the sort of worst case scenario. Everybody is behaving culturally. To eat, you know, whichever side you're on, you know, the, the truth is that the Repcon tribe aren't, aren't, you know, they happen to be, you know, on, on, on the right side of being against the culture, but it's not for the right reasons. They don't, they don't, they're, they're doing it for, for similar uh, cultural reasons. Uh, and so everybody's behaving culturally and nobody effectively, the, the evidence is lost. The, the, the bit of about, you know, the, where rationality at scale is trying to get a voice in this huge battle, a clash of cultural titans is effectively they don't. You, know, you, you hear occasionally the voice of sanity, like Judith Curry, for instance, or Steve Cooning. You know, but it's a tiny voice in the wilderness, and and even most of the people, you know, on on the on the battling against its side are, are, are behaving culturally, and and they use their, you know, they use their old style cultural weapons in this war. They don't use they don't use science. They 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 just you know beat mm -hmm. up the other side. So yeah, worst case scenario. Really. Worst case scenario. What if? Uh, how about science itself? I mean, if science were to be also considered culture, that would be a shocker for many, perhaps. But maybe what is often referred to as scientism is is uh, is a culture. You know, the the belief that everything science says is is yeah. set in stone, and you you can't question it. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't go as far as to say it, it's a culture yet, in the sense that it it hasn't. It's it's not a it's not a boundable entity you can sort of grasp in your hand and say these are the rules for it these are the dress codes these are the narratives but there is definitely there is definitely definitely some cultural behavior in science i mean it's it's whole it's whole architecture these days with nobel prizes and all sorts of grants funding and so on and it, the vo it's become the voice of authority which has got unfortunately more and more abused you know in adverts or uh, anything uh and, and indeed by by cultural support, which may or may not be on the right side, but it's for the wrong reasons. So I, I so I think, you know, um, I, you know, I, I deal with this, I think in, in chapter seven, but the, there are, there are, the authority of science, science itself has developed its own cultural overhead, you might call it. It's not, it's not entirely lost yet. You know, it's not become, you know, we don't, we don't have the high priest of science yet, but, 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 but it's why a lot of it has gone off course. You know, people are, Treating scientists way too, way too religiously, they 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 believe their words far too often, and it's only slowly that the general public, I think, uh, you know, <laughs> if there's one good thing that came out of the uh, COVID thing, is that general public have realised that scientists <laughs> may not, you know, may not be as uh, as as authoritative and uh, right as as they uh, as they thought before, and that's probably a good thing because science needs a big reset back to shedding its cultural values. I think. Because that's what you know, the, the social sciences, particularly, are, are, are just completely lost, you know. And, and you know, um, uh, as the Heterodox Academy and others have shown with, with papers, it's clear and obvious that you know most of the social sciences is is, is hijacked by, uh, especially in the US, by one political view. 
which means you can't do proper social science because you haven't got a diversity of views mm. and it's going to lead to bias everywhere and it has led to bias everywhere mm. so i think you know culture and, and sci- culture and science are mixed up and, and you know that mixing has gone for a long way you know so it's sometimes people people reject a correct scientific co- consensus because it's it's actually presented as part of a culture so for instance pretty decent medical science uh, was tried to be exported to africa or whatever in the 19th century but because it came in a culture that was bible bashing and you know with missionaries and all this that and the other who were effectively the leading edge of the then a lot of it, a lot of it was rejected even though it's it's correct science it's this is a kind of obvious example the the medicine was rejected because it came with a clearly cultural package and the natives instinctively realized this was true and and that can that can happen in the modern modern world correct science can be rejected because it comes in a, a cultural package mm. um yeah so yeah that they are mixed up i wouldn't i wouldn't say it's got as far as you know science has not been completely hollowed out it isn't yet a religion but it's got way too much cultural overhead that really needs to it really yeah. needs shedding well i guess proper science i mean science per se Yes. Cannot be a culture by definition. It's it's something different. It should be it should be something different. But as you as you say here and point out, it can be kind of um, uh, infected by by cultural. Uh, exactly, influence. infected is a good word. I mean, the problem is you're right. By definition, it isn't a culture. But unfortunately, it's conducted by humans, and humans are very open to cultural oh. uh, to behaviors. That's the problem. You know, if if it was if it was carried out by robots only. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. that's another <laughs> discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Discussion. Okay. Fascinating stuff. Um, so, what, to what extent have you yourself studied uh, the, the topic itself? I mean, climate, climate change, and and what's happening with the climate. And if so, could your findings have influenced your conclusions about? Uh, I mean, this that, that climate catastrophism is a culture. Well, no, nobody's without influence, uh, but. Um, But I came to this. I didn't come from this uh, having any interest in climate or climate science at all. You know, up until Al Gore's film, I kind of registered that it was happening. I, I, you know, I. Um, Did you I have an really, opinion of your own at, at that time? I, I, not, not, not a strong one. Um, uh, you know, I, I generally thought it must all be true because you know <laughs> I have a degree in physics. I, I, I mean, science had a, a scientific job uh, you know, or technology job at least. You know, I didn't. I didn't particularly think to question it. I did. I did sort of think, well, you know, they're doing it. It's a bit of exaggeration here, but I didn't really question it. Um, it wasn't. It just wasn't central in my in my life, to be honest. Uh, you know, it, um, and even though I saw it on the news and so on and so forth, I generally thought, well, you know, it's probably true. We we probably need to do something. Uh, you know, but carried on with life. It, it didn't really impact me. But but really, uh, the turning point was seeing Al Gore's film, and just uh, you know that was a, a just a, a staggering realization that this blooming massive uh, culture had probably been bubbling away under my feet without me even noticing it. And it was just, uh, and so I, I did have a turning point there. And at that point, I did thought, you know, I mean, I'm I'm applying uh, social psychology principles, and, and particularly Dan Carn's cultural cognition is kind of what you could call my approach. And it's a very hands-on measuring data approach, but but you, you're right to 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 be able to do that. You need to know the furniture of a domain. You know, one of the, one of the things holding me back from measuring previous cultures, like I, I just not, I'm just not an expert at communism or fascism, and then and a they're very regional, not global like um, climate catastrophes, 
And B, they're, they're so far back in history with their glory days, where in the 1930s, 40s, 50s for communism and so on. It, it's so far back, it's got so much historical baggage. You can't, you, you have to decipher that the people were writing about it were themselves biased. Um, you know, it's it's not, most of it's not on the internet. I thought there's no way I'm ever going to be, I'm just not an expert enough. But, but for that, you know, when I realized that climate catastrophe looked the hell like it's culture, I thought, well, you know, I don't, you know, the, all the data is here. All the opinions are, are on the internet. They're all recorded. They're happening in real time. I can capture them. And so, you know, I, you know, I thought, well, there is a chance of measuring this one. But, but you, you know, you need to know the furniture. If, if I'd attempted to measure communism, I'd need to know all the books about communism. I need to know its narratives. I would need to know um, how it progressed in various countries, what its historics are effectively, you know, not just in Russia, but in China and Eastern Europe, wherever. And, you know, and that's why I was a bit depressed. I thought, well, it'd take me like three, three careers to measure that. Yeah. But, um, but for climate change, you know, I spent some years, um, whilst I was thinking about my cultural stuff, I did, you know, hang out on uh, various blogs, what's up with that, um, and on the um, uh, real climate for the orthodox side um, and read them quite often, and, and a range of other blogs, obviously, Judith Curry's eventually. Um, and my my goal wasn't to um, come to a conclusion about well who is right is it is it the you know the people who are, are really um, say you know we're, we're destined for something bad the the, the people who skept, very skeptical and say well really it's nothing to worry about hardly at all and all the lukewarmers in between or whatever my my goal wasn't to end up at one of those points my goal was only to understand the furniture enough so that I knew what was happening what the main arguments are. You know, on whether, therefore, are they culturally driven or not? Um, and so, I, I don't really have an opinion about the physical science. Um, or, you know, and, and in a way, it's, it's better not to have one. If you if you want to, if you want to, for me, if you want to, if you want to measure a domain, the, the social psychology of a domain, it's actually best not to know what it's about. <laughs> you know, if you went, if you went to sort of a native tribe in in uh, South American, and they had you know these strange cultures, and it was I don't know about worshiping worshiping some tree and then drinking its sap or something. So it's probably better not to know whether the sap's good for them or not, or whether it's medical. You know, it's better first to measure what's going on culturally because you aren't biased then to what may or may not you know what what, what you know whether the reviews have any reality or not. And so I've deliberately not tried to form any conclusions about the physical science. You know. Um, and as you know, the the gold standard for the book, which you have to take something for in referencing, you know, uh, stuff, is actually the IPCC, mm. and and it's you know it's working group outputs, which you know, <laughs> uh, you know, and I, I think despite massive perhaps massive group thinking in the IPCC, which Judith Curry points to, you know, I can quite happily take that as my gold standard because yeah. the truth is the culture completely ignores that standard yeah. anyway. It's know, completely in contradiction to it, yeah. so it, it kind of doesn't matter, you know. Because and, and I think we we probably lose a lot of effort and and it, it's, it's spent you know we should pursue the physical science but I, I think there's such a lot of effort spent in passionate argument about technical details and and those on the skeptical side think think they'll win if they could only win the scientific case well no it's it's ceased to have anything to do with science a very long time ago and uh, and you know that the, the entire stuff that's running in the world also all the policy. You know, you can you can actually measure the, the the deployment of renewables. It falls a clearly cultural pattern, which means it doesn't depend on the the 
climates of the nations, the climate exposure of the nations, uh, any science or technology factors, um, or, or, or even rationality. It is a cultural pattern. And therefore, the culture is dictating what's happening. It, it measurably dictates possible uh, policy, and it measurably uh, uh, dictates attitudes, whether people are for it or against it. Mm. So it's running the whole show. Science is nowhere. Um, so there's no, you know, I mean, we should still pursue the physical science, right? It's noble. We need to pursue it. But I suspect it'll be a long time before people are bottomed out. Meanwhile, if we want to stop, you know, um, ludicrous net zero policies that are doing great harm, then science is not, you know, forget it. It's it's a cultural thing you have yeah. to understand. Yeah, I've been I've been pondering a lot how this is going to play out and and if it's going to end and if it's just going to peter out and nobody's going to people are going to talk about other things and nobody will really remember, remember what was being said about this but what what do you think about this climate catastrophism culture is it eventually going to come to an end and if so <clears throat> what will precipitate its fall would it be a, a an a ever uh, more apparent um, non apocalypse or would it be something else That's a great question. <laughs> I, I don't think I know the answer to that question. I, I have some thoughts, which is not the same as an answer, but but I do know that cultures, uh, cultural entities, once once they've built up a huge amount of inertia in terms of belief with millions of people, in terms of uh, their effectively orientating organizations and finance and structures to, to them. So there's you know there's, there's rafts and rafts of of uh charities and ngos and the un and government policy and you know so they so it's it's got itself completely embedded in the in what you might call the sort of real working world of humans it's in all their institutions it's in all their policies it's in the heads of millions of people that is not going to go away quickly you know it's just there's just way too much inertia and and as we know from uh The, the big mainstream religions like you know christianity or islam you know they you know they're, they're you know clocking up a couple of millennia right and they're still mm. yeah they're still pretty big like there's the, there's actually still a alive and kicking well not kicking perhaps but still there yes and, and and in the case of some kicking i think i think we could say that islam is kicking at the moment yeah, that's true and, that's true. and yeah. you know and then yeah. and the truth is there is way more people in the world that actually formally believe in religion than than don't And even of the ones who don't, about half of them are, have, have some thought that there is spirituality. So they're not completely in the arms of a, of a religion, but they still think they have kind of religiously orientated uh, mm. uh, views, if you like. And and even the formal belief is is still a majority, like 60, 65% of, of the world. So, you know, they are more than <laughs> they are more than alive and kicking. Yeah, they are, they're still really. Uh, But this is something a little bit different. Maybe, maybe it will morph into something different. I mean, yes. if science uh, comes to the conclusion gradually, the, the coming decades, that well, maybe it wasn't that dangerous, and it's, it doesn't seem yes. to happen that much, then, then it will still be there, but would be called something different. I, I recall um, writing about. Um, An organ, a UN organ that was uh, created in the early, uh, I think, the late 1970s, about um, desertification of the world, because that was a big issue back then. That the, the, the yes. deserts are growing, and they were yes. growing for a couple yes. of decades because of a drought. Yes. It was yes. a, a prolonged drought, but it ended 1985 or so, and now yes. there, there's greening. Yes, because so more the, CO2. the deserts <laughs> are, are, are shrinking, but that organ organization within the UN system is still there. 
but they yes. have changed their, you know, yes. the narrative of what, why they're there and what they're doing. They're, they're now working uh, against um, general, you know, degradation of, of land. I mean, yes. they could have done that from the beginning, but it, it was specifically for desertification. But, oh, that yes. wasn't a problem. Hmm, what to do now? We can't, we can't just scrap the organ. Yeah, we, we don't, wanna, we don't we? give up our jobs. We're yeah. no, no, <laughs> not no. going to do that, clearly. <laughs> so maybe it's going to be something, something similar here, uh, that I, this whole I culture will be morphing into something else. I, I think that is that is definitely the kind of course you know there's a vast inertia behind this thing it's not just going to stop cultures very rarely just collapse or, or or brought to a shuddering halt okay in 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 central europe fascism was brought it was a it was a culture made of about you know one third um uh national socialism you know one third anti-semitism and, and one third eugenics which was its scientific support and that combination was pretty toxic and had a, a terrible culture in in so it was eventually brought to a judging hole but only by a huge war and mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but it's very rare that um that cultures i think are brought down in that way and, and even then little threads of it survived you know um for decades and, and even now uh, some people still believe in it but it but it was effectively more or less brought down in that way but i but I don't think there could be, you know, a, a war in in the uh, in this in the case of it's it's embedded in every, you know, if it would be a civil war in every country, and that's that's not going to happen. Mm. Um, but at the same time, uh, yes, I it will it, it, it's evolving all the time. It never stops, and that's the curious thing because people who believe in it always think that their views are rock solid and unchangeable. But in fact, the narrative moves them on and moves them on. You know, that's that's how it became climate change from global warming, because mm. climate change is a much more useful phrase because you can apply it to everything. Mm. You know, uh, it, it, you know, global warming's got much, much more narrow scope, really. Climate change will effectively allows you to say anything is the problem is a problem caused by climate change, even cold weather. You know, so so, um, you know, that's that's an evolution. And, and the hockey stick, which was was once very important cultural symbol, got de-emphasized de because it got too close to reality in the sense that the, the people with actual science were starting to point out you know like in the hockey stick illusion uh, uh and uh, andrew montford pointed out flaws in, in its scientific approach and it was it was too it was getting too dangerous in the reality that somebody might bring it down as you as i said at the beginning all the cultural ideas have to be as distant from reality as possible and that that was too close to criticism and so the hockey stick has been de-emphasized it's now not an important part of the culture anymore it's still referred to but it's like you know it, it, this is only a 10-year period yet people still think that they, <laughs> everything's the same as it was but it's not no. which has evolved no. and you know if you look at christianity over you know if you sampled it every two centuries the people that you sample one set of two centuries they would be amazed by what it was like two centuries before or two centuries before that it's, it's you know it continuously moves yeah. you know for instance women were a huge part of of early christianity but they were written out of the story when they weren't needed anymore you know and, and, and the culture was big enough to kind of become a patriarchy didn't need them anymore but it was it was super important at the beginning because when it was whole in um when it was being done in secret in Roman households, it was the women of the household who gave them the secret cellar or the basement and organized people to come around. They were a big, big part of it spreading. But um, when it didn't need them anymore, I kind of wrote them out. <laughs> and so, you know, and I think I think climate catastrophism will do all those kinds of things. It will evolve. But, uh, you know, but who knows to what? And it's already started, to, you know, it's already got tendrils all over. I mean, there's, there's lots of messaging now coming from the World Health, Health Organization 
that um, you know world health is climate health kind of yeah. angle. It's already it's already you know the thing about cultures is because they're not because they aren't nefariously from a single direction, yeah. even though it often seems so because everything's scripted, but it's scripted because it's it's an unconscious scripting. Everybody gravitates everywhere to the same thing. And so it's way better than a than a, 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 a consciously organised uh, nefariousism because it's much better at coordinating. It can court a billion people easily, which which you can't do with a nefarious mm. agenda. But so it's, it it simultaneously explores every possible angle, and what actually happens is the successful ones get selected, and and the people who are pushing them rise with that success, mm. and the ones that aren't successful. And 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 so another thing that's unintuitive: if it's going to back a thousand of these horses. You know, three hundred those horses may be direct contradiction to each other. This is not a problem for a culture. I mean, everything it, everything it says is hypocritical anyway. It has to be as false as possible. It is absolutely not a problem to back a bunch of horses who completely contradict and just see who wins. And effectively, that's how that's how the things morph. Mm. And so, it, you know, I think it's going to be into health. It's going to be into a, it's obviously it is already as as you pointed out. Yes. Yeah, and it, anyway, for a long time, it's been into a much more sustainability kind of concept. Yeah. So even if there wasn't climate change, you could say, well, yeah, but we still need to make everything sustainable. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of it's, it's become it's, it's, a psychological and cognitive paradigm. Yes, for the exactly. whole world, especially the Western yes. world. But, but yes, but for so sure, are, it isn't isn't yeah. just going to collapse. No, no. Uh, so, what are your personal goals and and um, hopes with with the the book and the findings of your book well you know what do you hope to uh, achieve <laughs> what, what i would like to achieve is is to get people first to understand that it, the culture is in charge not the science and 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 all the both intuitive and unintuitive things that flow from that there are some intuitive ones quite a lot of people have cottoned on that you know how can Greta Thunberg's movement or or XR and their red, red robes be anything other than culture. So a lot of people say it's uh, beginning to instinctively say it's cultural, but it's it's but the problem is it's an opinion, so the culture can easily mow that down. But if we have a formal proof, as in my book, that it's a culture, we can formally prove it. It's got a cultural signal signal, just like religion has. You know, religion has a similar signature, which is in the book, in in chapter nine, I think. Then the first thing is to is to try and get across that it's a culture. And that this culture defies even mainstream science, you know that. But it's a really tough message because, you know, uh, you know the whole of academia at the moment. You know, the reason they haven't found that religious national religiosity is a, is a great pointer is because they're all biased towards the culture. That the whole of social science thinks that catastrophism is an output of the hard sciences. So my my first goal will be: we got to realize, guys, this thing is a culture, and it's not just an opinion. We have proof that it's a culture. Um, Deeper than that, I think it would be nice to 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 have a discipline that has you know and knows how these things work, not just for climate catastrophism, but for all of them. So uh, you know, at the moment, cultural evolution doesn't really deal with that. It doesn't deal with how they work at this moment in time. It deals with some of the things about how how they've arisen, but it's it's a very uh, complex and interdisciplinary subject. But it does not, for instance, go out and just say measure a load of opinions as measure the culture. It just doesn't do that because it. It doesn't understand that they're actually simple enough to measure. Now, people like Dan Carhan who are in social psychology understand that, but he's he's not in cultural evolution. There is no 
there's no place to say, hang on a minute, we can bring all this together and measure cultures. And then we can start to study them as entities, which we try then to stop them getting the best out of them, like team spirit, but stopping the worst of them, like undermining the law, undermining democracy and undermining science itself. Now these these are like hugely ambitious goals, clearly. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, you have the, to have, <laughs> aim for the stars, and uh, yeah, you know, and it's it is as you, as you said, you have broken this ground now. It's it's a new, partly new field that people can it, other people can, can explore further. Yes, exactly. The the book is a beginning, not an end, mm -hmm. and 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 you know to get that beginning to as many people as possible is is really mm -hmm. where where uh, I guess my first goal would be. So where can people find out more about you and, and your work, your book and other stuff? Um, well, I have for, for many years had posts on uh, climate, etc. for like about 10 years. Judith Curry's fantastic blog, and she covers the social psychology and, uh, you know, things like bias in science and those kind of angles, as well as the physical climate science. So a lot of stuff that led up to my book is is there. Um, I don't really have, I, I have a website that's pretty much defunct. I haven't done anything with it for yeah. some years. Um, people can follow me on Twitter at uh, Andy West underscore tweets. And I, I still I just tweet quite regularly on those kind of subjects. Um, and of course, um, read the book. This is the main read thing. The read the book. Yes. Because that's that. It, it's a complete paradigm change. Yeah. You know, my, my editor, Andrew Montford, in, in one of his um, very very uh, nice um, pieces that he, he wrote in my book, I think for the Daily Skeptic, he says, there, are, there aren't many things come along that really change your mind about what, what the domain is about. You know, and he obviously was deeply into the domain. He'd written the archistic illusion. He knew about the physical side of it very much, but he had not considered the motivation. The, why is this happening? And, or, or, you know, why are people saying black is white and so on? And so I think, you know, it, it really changed his mind about what the domain is about. And I think that that kind of change is, you know, is what what. Um, but but I don't have a lot about me. <laughs> um, well, anywhere. anyway, I I put links to the to the book and to the, yeah. the other stuff that mentioned here in the description yeah. box as as usual. Yeah. And so, Andy, thanks again for joining the show, and good luck with your continued research in this field. Fantastic, fantastic! You uh, great great questions there, right to the heart of it. Thank you very much, Anders. If you like this video, don't forget to subscribe and don't forget to hit that like button and share the video with your friends. Please support the channel if you can. I appreciate all the support. Uh, you can become a Patreon for as little as $1 a month, or you can make a one-off donation via PayPal if you wish. All the links are in the description box below. Thank you.